of trials. Trust in God in the midst of trials. I want to start off with a verse that Jesus himself asked a question from the book of Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. If you have your Bible, let's go there quickly. Let's use that as a springboard. This was an account wherein Jesus was speaking regarding praying and he emphasized on an unjust judge that fears God, uh, fe that doesn't fear God nor any man. But there was this widow that came and pounded his door and asked for whatever she needed at, at a particular time that the judge, the Bible says, was comfortable and he didn't want to respond. But because of the continuous request of this woman, she kept pounding and pounding at this judge. And the Bible said eventually that the judge got tired of her and decided to get up and respond to this, judge, uh, to this woman. He responded and that was when he had his peace. But then Jesus said something in verse number 8 of Luke chapter 18. I want us to take this verse very seriously because of what I'm about to teach or preach this morning. And we can read together verse number 8. I tell you that he will avenge them spittingly. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Praise God. You know, it is interesting to note from your Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, that Jesus was asked several questions. Those who queried his faith asked him questions. Those who doubted what he was doing, they asked him questions. And even those who even believed what he was doing, they asked him questions. But this was a case wherein the scripture clearly says that Jesus at this particular time asked a question regarding faith. Praise God. You know, when we talk about faith, it is not just to believe that, oh, I believe that God will do it. Faith is a character. Praise God. Faith is a lifestyle. Praise God. Faith has to do with your heart condition. Praise God. Faith has to do with your will. Praise God. And so when we talk about faith, it is not just a proclamation of a word or just to merely believe, but it is a character, it is a lifestyle, and it has to do with your will. Praise God. And so Jesus asked this question. He says, when the Son of Man, in other words, he was speaking of himself, cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Look at what is going on in our world today. Praise God. Look at the trials, the difficult times. Praise God. The financial constraints, the health trouble that everywhere we see or we go in our world, everybody is feeling the weight and the pinch. But the question is, when he will return, would he find faith upon the earth? Not even the church. Praise God. In other words, he is saying, at the time of his coming, will you be still faithful? Are we going to be still holy? Are we going to still walk in the righteousness of Christ? Are we going to still trust him? Are we going to still depending upon him and upon his word? Are we going to continue to be praying and believing by faith that God will still trust you, will still depend on you? Praise God. 
when the son of man cometh the question is will he find faith upon the earth i want you to ask the person that is far away from you not close to you right now <laughs> when the son of man cometh ask him or her if he will find faith in you praise god ask that brother and ask that sister right now praise god mm-hmm answer respond praise god will you find faith you know looking at the present condition of our world today many have lost their faith and even those who tend to believe god they begin to query the integrity of god query the word of god query the sovereignty of god praise god and whatever we're seeing now is just a glimpse of what is about to happen this is why the Bible says in the book of Matthew 24 that except those days be shortened, if not, even the very elect will be deceived. Because it will come to a point wherein, take note now, even those who believe will begin to doubt. Praise God. When we talk about trusting God in the midst of trials, we're talking about depending totally on God without any reservation in the midst of trials. Are we running in and out of the pond based on the condition that we face? Are we running in and out of the pond based on the way we feel? It is only when it is good we say thank you Jesus. When it is bad we complain and grumble like the unbelievers. It is only when it is well with us we come and praise God and dance and roll on the floor and shout hallelujah. What about when the storm beat against our lives? When we talk about trust we're talking about complete dependence on God. In the book of Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. When you trust God, you do good, you will dwell in the land, and you will be fed. Psalm 37, verse 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him. Trust in him, commit your ways and trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That is 37 of Psalm in verse 5, praise God. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 118 verse 8, 118 verse 8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in your government. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in your husband, than to put confidence in your bank account. Than to have confidence in your friend, your neighbor. Than to have confidence in the government. Than to have confidence in the system. And the system is failing now. These are the things that we've been preaching over the years. That the last days are coming. Things are not getting better. And there are going to be challenges and trials and difficulties. Praise God. And let me say this to you, beloved. The only people that will stand this last days are not those that will shout hallelujah and praise the Lord and looking good and shouting as if God uh, is all over them and, and they, when they go in the secret they cry as if, I mean, all hell break loose. It is only those that will say yes Lord in the secret places and they will come out again and say yes Lord in the public places. Praise God. Those are the ones that will stand. It is only those that will say Lord, no matter what it will take, I am ready. Even if it's going to cost me my life, I am ready. Christianity is not a joke. Praise God. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Talks about 
you acknowledging him in all your ways and he will direct your path in isaiah 26 4 says trust ye in the lord forever for in the lord jehovah is everlasting strength everlasting strength we need strength at a time like this in isaiah 50 verse 10 he says who is among you that feareth the lord that obeyeth the voice of his servant that walketh in darkness and had no light let him trust in the name of the lord and stay upon his god that is trust 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 is completely different from faith faith is to believe god for what he said he will do right you understand me and it will come to pass but trust is not just to believe God for what he said he will do. It's to put your life into that which he said he will do. Your life is accountable to the will and to the word of God. Irrespective of the situation or the circumstances. You put your life accountable to the will and to the word of God. Praise God. In other words, you commit your life to the word of God. That is trust. Faith is to believe and God will do it. But when it comes to trust, it's not just merely believing. Your life must be accountable. Your life must be committed to, praise God, your will and every other thing. And so this morning, I want you to know that if you are going to trust God in the midst of trials, there are several things that you're going to experience. There are several challenges that you're going to go through. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know what your trials may be this morning. Maybe you have some personal financial trials. Maybe you have some spiritual trials. Maybe you have some uh, uh, family trials. You're going through trials with your health. Maybe it has to do with your, your academic life. Maybe it has to do with even your spiritual life. I don't know exactly what your trials may be. But what I know for sure is that in the midst of your trials, God is still God. Amen? And God is still faithful. I want to draw your attention to a man in the Bible. And this man you all know. You've heard about him. And you may have read about him, and you may have heard ministers preach about him, and he's not a stranger, but I want you to get deeper into what you may have heard. I want you to understand it from a, a level of revelation and divine insight. We're going to be looking at Job chapter number one and Job chapter two, both chapters, praise God. And I'm going to begin to read from verse 1 down to the end. And I'll be reading through all the verses. Praise God. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. Job chapter 1 verse 1. Praise God. And that man was perfect. Take note of these words. And upright. And one that feared God. And the steward evil. There was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. That is ten children. His substance was also 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest in all the... Uh, he was the greatest. This man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Praise God. Verse 4 says, And his sons went to feasted, in the houses, hallelujah, everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Praise God. And it was so that when days of their uh, feasting were gone about, 
that Job sent and sanctified them and rose. You see, Job was so committed to the extender after them having fun. He called them to sanctify them, to offer off offering in case they have sinned. That is the level of this commitment of this man. Praise God. To sanctify them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So did Job continually. Praise God. Verse 6 says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. Does this sound familiar? That Satan showed up at home. Satan showed up in your church. Satan showed up in your family. Satan showed up within your business. Satan, he showed up at your places of work. The Bible says when the sons of God came to present themselves, Satan showed up. He came among them. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Look at the conversation between God and Satan. Where comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord, and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Take note of this conversation now. This is very deep. This is the springboard of where we're going. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered, the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, underline that word, that there is none like him in the earth. Not a single one was like Job. The man was uniquely different. Spiritually different. Prayerfully different. Praise God. Perfectly different. Righteously different. A perfect man. This is God testifying about Job. That the man was what? A perfect man. An upright man. One that feared, feared God and eschewed evil. And Satan answered the Lord. And said, Doth Job feared God for naught? Has not thou made an edge about him and about his house and about all that he had on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hand and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand. Look at Satan telling God to put forth his hand. Tempting God. Put forth thy hand now and touch all that he had and he will curse thee to thy face. And see what God says. And the Lord said unto Satan, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord said unto Satan, behold that he had in, behold all that he had is in thy power, in your power. I will come to that later. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Praise God. And there was a day when the sons of his uh, when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, take note of this. The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding besides them. And the Sibians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain thy servant with the edge of the sword. And I only... I'm escaped to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven. Wow. And had burned up the sheep and thy servant and consumed them, and I only am escaped to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camel and have carried them away, yea, and slayed thy servant. 
with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped, oh, am escaped alone to tell thee. Praise God. Verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon wow the young men and they are dead and i only am escaped alone to tell thee and job arose take note of these words and rent his mantle he rent his mantle and shaved his head and not complain not crying not asking god why but the Bible says he fell up he fell down upon the ground and he worshiped god Praise God. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, underline those words, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Praise God. That is the entire chapter of chapter 1. Looking at this account carefully, there are certain things that I want to point out. Because I'm speaking to you right now as a believer, as a, a child of God. We're in the church, we're in the fellowship of the Lord. Many times we think that the moment we became born again, all problems are gone. It is over, we're free. So the scripture said, whom the son set free is free indeed. But you forgot that the Bible says God will bless you including persecution. Praise God. You forgot that in the midst of this, Jesus Christ, who is the, the, the he, in fact, he's the one who, who gave us freedom. He went through trials too. He went through trials. Jesus himself, he was tempted of the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted. Praise God. So it doesn't mean that because we are born again, or we are saved, or we are sanctified. In fact, I'm living a holy life. I'm walking in righteousness. I obey the word of God. I please God. I live in accordance with the word. And everything that God has instructed me, I have done. You may have done all that God had said. You may be holy and holier thou. You may be righteous and perfect. You may be committed, consecrated. You may be faithful and be obedient. And yet you will never be exonerated from trials in your life. Trials are eminent. Are you getting me? Oh, but it should not be the case because I'm a child of God. Who told you that? Oh, the devil should not touch me because I'm saved. I'm sanctified. Let's look at brother Job and look at his, 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 his attribute. According to the narrative of chapter 1, look at the very first two or three, four verses. The Bible gave us a clear description of the character of this man. The Bible says, number one, he was a perfect man. Number two, he walked upright with God and his fellow men. Number three, he feared God. Number four, he hates and fights against evil. That is a steward evil. Number five, the Bible says he had great substance. The man was also wealthy. Not, not only that he was godly, he was wealthy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Number six, the Bible says he was the greatest of all the men of the East. Number seven, the Bible says he always go out and give offering and offer sacrifice to God on behalf of his children in case they have mistakenly sinned against God. So when we talk about consecration, commitment, and devotion, compare yourself with Job. Where are you? Or who do you think you are? <laughs> At this level spiritually 
The man was godly. The man was perfect. The man was upright with God. The Bible says he eschewed evil and yet he was exposed to trials. Praise God. Looking at the qualification and the commitment of Job, God would have said, well, you know what? It doesn't need trial. It doesn't need to be attacked or be tested. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that God testified that he is faithful and that Job is committed. Praise God. Not only that God testified about his commitment and his faithfulness, the Bible also said that Satan testified that Job is faithful and Job is committed. He was a serious Christian. Praise God. You can see that in verse 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, in fact, look at verse 8. The Bible says, I love what God said. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant? God referred to, to Job as my servant. Can God look at you and say, my servant, my son, my daughter, the Christianity that we are professing, this hallelujah we are shouting. It's, oh, I'm a child of God because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're speaking it. You're phonetizing everything. And he's my Lord and my personal Savior. Can he, Jesus, looked at you and said, thou art my servant. What you are telling us is what we heard from you. We want to hear what God will say about you. Because whatever God will say about you is the real you. What you may say about yourself, this is why I listen to this. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not too conservative to that extent, but the point is, I'm not impressed by the way people move around with their Christianity today. People can even be bluffing, I'm born again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. They become comedian, but put them in the midst of the fire. They will run. Put them in the midst of the flood. They will drown. Why? Because they cannot stand any trial. You see, this is why it bothers me. It bothers me because in the churches today, all that we preach is name it and claim it. Receive it in the name of Jesus. But the time has come now. Now you will name it, it won't come. You will claim it, it won't even come until God give it to you. Am I right? Yes! And it's, things are not getting better. They are getting worse and worse every day. So now we can see if your faith can resist corona. We can see if your faith can stand the storm. Many are backsliding. Many young girls are straying away. Why? Because that sugar daddy cannot give her money again. Oh, the young boys are straying away. Why? Because that sugar mommy cannot give him money anymore. And so now the banks are like tight. Finances are tight. Businesses are not going. And things are not working the way it's supposed to work. And then those that you used to depend upon now. They, are, they themselves are in trouble. Everybody is in the same waters. And it's like uh, the survivor for the fittest. You fight for your life. How are you going to get through life? The Bible says that there is none like him in the earth. Can you imagine when I saw this? About 4 a.m. I was reading this verse this morning and I'm like, hmm, God, have mercy on me. I was repenting personally because I knew certain things that if God could say to this man, there is none. Take note of this word, verse 8. There is none like him in the earth. I'm like, God, what is it that you know about me that you can say to the whole world, there is none like Adolphus upon the face of the earth? And I felt bad. And I felt guilty. In, in as much as I'm committed, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm asking myself, am I there? Am I, am I at that level now? 
have, have I gone to that level now? Am I there yet? Are you there yet? Praise God. The Bible says, God said, there is none, praise God, none like him. So, uh, they had, this one is committed, but just like that other brother, no. This one is an extraordinary commitment. Praise God. His level, his level, there, there was no one upon the face of the earth that could stand in his level, in his spiritual height with God. Put it that way now. The man was so committed that, now take note now, let's go deeper. The man was so committed that God, almighty God, he could venture from his sovereignty. He know Satan, who he created. He know how powerful Satan is. But he could venture, God took the venture. Praise God, take note of this, take note of my words. God took the venture to risk Job, risk the entire family of Job, risk the wealth of Job into the hand of the devil, Satan. Knowing how wicked, how cruel Satan is, God could still risk Job in the hand of Satan. <laughs> Praise God. That is the level of commitment that that man got to. Praise God. Hallelujah. Job, the Bible says, was so committed that Satan testified of him, God testified of him. My question to you is, can God trust you to that extent that he could use you as an embarrassment to the devil that God could use you to insult Satan that God could use you to put the devil to shame that God could use you to make an open disgrace in heaven and on earth regarding Satan can God use you to insult the character, the failure of Satan and, and provoke him and make fun of him can God use you to the world and let the world know that you are his masterpiece and God will bluff with you and say that's an evidence praise God can God use you can God trust you that far can God depend on you that far so let's pray yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 30 minutes you want to sleep and God said I can't trust this guy Let's give for the kingdom of God. You gave a thousand dollars, you are complaining, and God says, I can't trust this one. I can't. God says, Live a holy life. He says, Ah, God, every other thing I can do, but this holiness thing, I'm not part of it. God says, I can't trust you. This is why the Christianity today is just what we call Papi Show, it's to show off. Haven't you seen them online? This one will go and say, There are many, when you go online these days, you see a lot of prophets and prophetess online. Praise the Lord. Some will be bluffing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes I'll just like delete or I'll just pass them. Because I'm like, this is not what we're talking about now. This is not where the world is. Hallelujah. Hey, don't say the Lord, sister. I have a prophecy for you. I just had a vision. The Lord, the Lord said nothing. Nothing. He didn't say nothing. Quiet. Shut up. He didn't say nothing. Not a word. He didn't say nothing. Oh, man of God. Ah, by the grace of God, they, they use the grace of God, the, the, the name of the Lord Jesus to do all kind of nonsense. So Christianity has become very, very commercialized now. So everything is about money. People go online for money. And I used to say, those juju men, those witches and wizards and witch doctors, they are no longer in the bush anymore or in the forest. They are online now. They can speak very well. Woo! 
They can pray very well. And so those of you who don't know them, when you put your head under them, you carry trouble and you don't even know. The Bible says that God could trust Job in the hand of a wicked devil. Now pay attention and look at me. Look at me, please. God was not releasing Job into the hand of a demon, as powerful as they were. The Bible says we war against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All of them are low class when we talk about Satan. Satan is the overall boss. This was a very big risk to put a human being in the hand of the overall boss. Because listen, one angel will just wave his hand like this. 32,000 die on the spot. One angel. Remember in heaven, who was the overall boss? Satan was the overall boss. Well, it is this very Satan now that God did not disarm. God drove him from heaven and he still maintained that same power. And not only that, he still have anger and jealousy against human beings. And God placed Job in front of him now. And God was bluffing with Job. Can God bluff with you? This was a very big risk. And so many Christians in our days don't want to go through trials. And these are the reasons why we see people tend to tell God what they want and what they feel like and what they want to do and not what God wants them to do. Oh God, I don't think I should. I don't think I would. I don't want to. And what I want is, in other words, you are dictating to God. You want to tell God the life you want to live, the way you want to live your life. You want to serve him the way you choose, the way you feel, the way you want to. Whereas whatever God said, you don't care about what he said. You are trying to control God. And you look God as if he's your servant, forgetting the fact that he's almighty God. Am I making sense to you this morning? Trials are eminent. Testings are real. They are true. Every Christian will go through trials or testing one way or the other. Praise God. Can God permit the enemy to prove your faith and your faithfulness or your integrity? It was God. Take note now. Satan was busy about his stupid business and God said, have you considered my servant Job? God was bluffing. He said, I'm going to humiliate you. I'm going to disgrace you. You were once with me in heaven and you could not live up to the standard. Come see a human being that is more obedient than you. Come see a human being that loved me more than you. Come see a human being that is more committed than you, Satan. It's a shame. It's a disgrace that you fail. But let me show you a man that will never fail. And he said, have you checked Job? And Satan was like, hey, what do you mean, Job? In fact, the reason why he is serving you is because he knew that you are covering him. You have your hand over all that he had. And God says, okay, I can still bluff you. I'll take my hand off. Go ahead. In fact, what Satan suggested at first was that God put your hand on all that he had. He will cause you to your face. Don't forget that word. He will cause you to your face. I will say something to you at the end. But you know what God did? God says, no, I will not put my hand. I don't do evil. I don't do wrong. I'm a good God. He says, you do it and I permit you to do it. God will never obey the instruction of Satan. And God will never do wrong. So he says, no, I won't do it. If you read, it is in verse 10, uh, 11. He said, put forth thy hand. Satan was speaking to God. Put forth thy hand now and touch all that he had. And he will cause thee to thy face. And God says, no, no, no. You do it. And you see this man that I'm talking about, my son. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let me shock you. Hmm. 
Whatever Job was about to go through, take note of this now, he was not informed. God never took permission from Job. God never consulted Job and said, hey, Job, excuse me, excuse me. I want your permission. There's going to be an attack from the devil. God did not do that. We talk about snitching. God never snitched to Job and said, Job, Satan is coming, oh, Satan is coming, oh, and then don't disappoint me, oh, Job, please. Don't make me, don't put me to shame. God never said a word. In fact, let me tell you now, Job did not even know what was going on. He didn't know. Can you imagine that? He didn't know what was going on. He knew nothing about God's permission to Satan. He knew nothing about the argument or the discussion between himself, uh, uh, between Satan and God regarding his life. Can I ask you a question? What do you do when you are exposed to trials and temptation and you don't know what to do? You don't know where it is coming from. You don't know why you are going through what you are going through. Hallelujah. Job was not prepared for this. He was not. It's like, oh, God has already told me. Now I'm going to go out there and prepare myself for this. No, he never had such opportunity to go prepare himself. He didn't know anything about it. Hallelujah. This was something that Job never experienced in his life. And you know the worst thing? He didn't have a choice in this matter. He didn't have a choice to escape from this. <laughs> Praise God. He didn't have any choice to say, but God, what are you trying to do? I don't want, I don't want this, 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 this devil is too fearful. I don't want to go through it. God, he didn't have a choice. That is what true Christianity is all about. This was why Jesus said, Father, not my will, thy be done. When you don't have a choice. The Bible says, except a grain of wheat fall into the soil and die, it abideth alone. True Christianity is to surrender yourself and all that you have and your personal life to God. Hallelujah. But yet, in the midst of this, God knew what Job could handle. He knew what he could handle. He knew the level of Job. He knew the commitment of Job. And God could trust Job. He could trust him. Praise God. If I let me show you something. As a child of God, if you're going through trials or difficulties, Never you ever think or consider that God did not know about it. He knows. In fact, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, God will never allow you to be tempted above that which you can handle. Go there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Quickly, verse 13. Let's see before we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Are we there? I hope I'm blessing you this morning. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says, there had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You see that there? Others have gone through. But God is what? Faithful. Am I the one that said this? The Bible says God is faithful. Why? God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which, above that ye are able. He says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be what? Be able to bear it. He will not allow you to be tempted by above that which you can handle. In the midst of the temptation, he's going to make a way out. And at the same time, in the midst of the temptation, he's going to give you grace to handle it. You see that now? So you see how faithful God is? How good God is? He's never going to expose you to that which you cannot handle. 
Many Christians do not want to go through trials and difficulties. There's this concept of wrong theology or wrong uh, uh, Christianity, wrong theology or wrong belief system. Where I take note of this now, what we see in our world today, we're telling the people to take the whole world, take money, take riches, take wealth, take this, prosperity, and then what we're telling them is don't worry about God. Or you can even abandon God, but take all these things. But true Christianity will tell you, let go of all these things and take hold of God. Praise God. Because listen to this. If you let go of God and take hold of all the world or that which the world will offer you, you know what's going to happen? You are going to fail woefully and the world will not bring back God to you. And at the end, you become a victim. But if you take hold of God and you let go of all the world, you know what's going to happen? This very same God who is the owner and the creator of every life and everything, he will bring the entire world back into your hands. That is why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said what? All these things shall be added unto you. If you looked at the verse carefully in verse 10 and verse 11, Satan was saying to God that Job loved you because of things, because of the material things that you give to him. Satan was saying to God that Job is serving you because of all the wealth that you gave to him. In fact, if you touch him, Take all the wealth from him right now. He is going to curse you to your face. That was what Satan was suggesting. But what Satan didn't know was that the man was committed beyond the level of material things and wealth. Praise God. And so Satan asked God to touch the wealth and the things, uh, the belongings of Job. Hallelujah. And God said, you do it. For you to prove that he's that committed, you do it. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Verse 11 clearly implies that the goal of Satan was, take note now, not only for Job to fail, but that Job will cause God to his face. That is what he says. He says, if you do so to him, he will curse you to his face. Or to your face. And I love verse 12. You see, God is a just God. See verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan now, God is speaking to him, Behold, that is see, all that he had is in thy what? Is in thy power. That means that Satan also has power. Praise God. This is God speaking now, that Satan has power. So don't, don't you ever underestimate Satan. Satan is not a joker. He's wicked. The Lord said, Touch everything. If I look at the verse, very well, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, not some, not few, but it says, Behold, all that he had is in thy power. All that Job had. You do whatever you want to do. Only upon himself, put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Hey, trouble. <laughs> wow. I saw something that I've never seen in my entire life in this verse. Within one day, not two days, one day, for you to see the power of Satan, for you to, to, to see how wicked Satan is, for you to see the manifestation of his, his cruelty. In fact, you see, take note of this now, from verse, um, verse uh, 13, 
down to verse 19, you see a fulfillment of St. John chapter 10, verse 10. When the Bible says, the thief cometh not, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Praise God. Now, pay attention to this. When Satan unleashed his power against Job in one day, take note of this, all the years, all the labor of his life throughout his years, all that he has labored for all throughout his life, Satan destroyed. He demolished everything in one day. Can you imagine that? The man had thousands of cattle, hundreds of oxen. The Bible says he, he had, he had uh, three daughters and seven sons. In one day, all that he has achieved throughout his entire life, Satan crushed everything in one day. That is why you, look up and look at me please. Never you take Satan for granted and don't joke with him. The power that he had was given to him by God. Don't joke with the devil. Praise God. The Bible said that it was like, it was like a tornado. One after the other. Boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom. By the time one came with the news to say, oh, your cattle are taken away and the next one, fire has consumed them. The next one, your son's the house. He says the four pillars of the house. Everything collapsed. Your children are dead. Before you know, ah, every, the man lost everything that he had in one day. Now look up again and look at me. Satan is wicked though. I'm not here to preach about Satan, but I'm just telling you the truth. God gave him permission to do whatever he could to all that he had, all that Job had, right? Do you know that Satan did not show a single mercy to Job? <laughs> you see that? Read verse 13 to verse 19. He cleared everything away. The only thing that he didn't touch is himself. Because that is what God told him not to touch. And the other thing that escaped was his wife. Those were the only two things that he could not touch. The life of Job and the life of his wife. But the life of his children, all his world, everything gone in one day. Listen to this. Job was not only facing a test or a temptation from the enemy, Job was facing an attack. This was an attack. The devil planned, listen to this, he planned to finish Job to zero so that Job could cause God to his face. Praise God. Satan uses his power that God permitted him. He said, everything that he had, all that he had is in thy power. And so Satan demonstrated his power to the fullest. And the Bible said, that Job lost everything. St. John 10, 10, the thief commit not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I have several questions I would love to ask you, but I'll just ask you a few. What would you do when God take all that you have away from you? Listen, I, I believe you. I trust you. If God takes your money away, uh, you still come to church and praise God. But what if God take all your kids away from you? See, I want to point at my love right now. She's smiling. See how with the baby. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You see how she's doing, Gabby? Gabby's watching me now. She's like, why are you talking about me? You know? Imagine God says, I'll take all. As she's grabbing her, I say, God, not this one. Am I right? 
Mothers will defend or protect their kids. Fathers will do likewise. But God says to Satan, you can touch all. Let me shock you. The only defense that you have in this life against Satan is God. If you know, <laughs> if you know the power that Satan has, huh? You will not joke with him. You will never, you will never compromise or, or give him any leverage. The only coverage that you have in this life against Satan is God. Satan is not afraid of you because you're a handsome man. Oh, you can shout, in the name of Jesus. He will wait until you say, in the name of Jesus. He said, even Jesus, I tested him. I'll wait for you. After church, I'm coming. I'm telling you, I'm not joking. He will wait for you after you say, Ragadadada, yeah, Satan, you stupid devil. I kick you today. He says, Okay, finish. When you're done, we'll meet. The only power that you have over the devil is the power of God. Not your education. He's wiser than you. Not your strength. Satan is stronger than you. Praise God. Not your credentials or your influence. Satan is popular than you. Satan has what it takes. More than what you have. The only mercy, the only chance that you have is in God. To the devil. Even now, the only privilege you have. Look at all the scriptures where the Bible says we overcame him by what? By the blood of the Lamb. We didn't overcame him because of our prayer lives. He said we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. Right? He said as many as received him, to them gave him power to become what? Sons and daughters. So if you don't receive him, you will not have the power to become. Praise God. He says whosoever is born of God, overcome the world. Your victory that overcome the world, which is even your faith, is centered on whosoever is what? Born of God. If you're not born of God, hey! You become a caricature in the hand of the devil. Praise God. So Job was facing a devil that is mightier, that is stronger, that except God intervene, if God didn't intervene, he will finish him. And so Satan wiped everything away. But I love something that I saw in verse 20. Let's go there quickly. Verse 20 say, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. And he was crying, God, my daughters. <laughs> Lord, my sons. Oh, God. God, you say you are a loving God. God, why did you do this to me? All that I have labored for over the years, God. God, why would you? <laughs> Is that what we read? What was the man doing? What shall I say unto the Lord? All I have to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All I have to say. How many of us sing when we're in pain? How many of us sing we raise up a song of adoration when you are disappointed? How many of us raise up our voices in the midst of trials and we're lifting up our voices and say, God, we give you glory, Lord, as we honor you. You are, you are wonderful. You are worthy, oh God. You are wonderful. You are worthy, oh God. Job did not backslide because of this. 
He had all kinds of reasons, all kinds of excuses to have said, well, but God, you allow my children to die, so what do you want me to do? He stayed there. The Bible says he knelt down. The Bible says he worshipped. In fact, what I love, the Bible didn't say he was mourning. He was worshipping God. He was praising God. He was Listen, in this life, it is all about perspective. Perspective. Your concept about God, what you understand about God, your level of revelation about God, is this, this is why you must study the word. You must know the word. If you don't, trust me, you are going to mess up in life. You're going to fail. These are the reasons why Christians must know the Bible. Not just theoretical knowledge, spiritual knowledge, relational knowledge with God, experiential knowledge with God. We must have deeper revelation. So in case the devil turn his arrow against us, we could stand back and say he is worthy to be praised. Alpha, Omega, he is worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. I'll, listen, in the midst of his loss, he was worshipping God. In the midst of his disappointment, he was worshipping God. In the midst of his pain, he was giving God. Listen, he did not allow the devil to take a little bit of glory, not even a glimpse. To say, ah, Satan, you are powerful. Oh, Satan, Satan, why? He didn't even say, hey, this devil. He didn't even mention, the Bible says he worshipped God. He worshipped. When was the last time you worshipped? I know you. You only sing when somebody gave you five hundred dollars. I say, "Thank you, Lord. Hey, thank you, Lord. Hi, thank you, Jesus." That's how. In fact, that's when we heard you speak in tongues. <laughs> five hundred dollars. What do you do when your marriage turned upside down? Do you sing? Do you worship? What do you do when you lose your job? What do you do when the government says we can't support anymore? What do you do when your husband or your wife walk out on you? What do you do when all hope becomes hopeless? What do you do when you're looking at the tunnel, there's no light and it is darkness and you get caught up in between and you know you have to go forward? What do you do? What do you do when friends and loved ones, family members and neighbors, they ignore you, you are all left alone? What do you do? What do you do when your in-laws are against you? What do you do? What do you do when you don't have what it takes financially or academically? What do you do? What do you do when your backs are against the wall? What do you do? What do you do when you get knocked down? Listen to this now. Job didn't, uh, Satan didn't come to Job and say, oh God, Job, uh, well done, oh, well done. The Lord wants me to, uh, I want to see what I can do. Let me check. No, he just listened to God and he, listen. <laughs> he didn't take permission from Job. <laughs> he, you know, he has power to dominate Job. He didn't consult Job. As soon as he came from the presence of God direct, he went into oppression. But the Bible said that Job worshipped God. Hallelujah. Verse 20 says, he worshipped the Lord. Amen. Verse 21, he said, naked I came out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. And the Lord had given the Lord has taken away. And he, he, he said again, blessed be the name of the Lord. Giving God glory. 
The time has come that Christians are going to be persecuted. The, the world is not getting better. Things are going to be harder and difficult and rough and tough. Listen, it is only a genuine child of God that will hope. That is why the Bible says, Matthew 24, 13, He that shall endure till the end, the very same shall be saved. Verse 22 says, In all these jobs in the north, not charged God foolishly. No. He did not sin against God. He did not charge God foolishly. Was he discouraged? Does he feel the pain? Hallelujah. Does he feel the loss? Yes. But you know what? He loved God more than his children. He loved God more than his wealth. He loved God. Listen, Job loved God. He honors God. He respects God more than all that he had. That is why, listen to this. When he lost everything, he still kept God. He was still confident. He was comfortable. He was still at peace. But take note, if he had lost God, huh, he may have committed suicide or I mean, just die because he knows he lost everything. When you lose God, you lose everything. Praise God. But you can lose everything if you still maintain God, you are good to go. I say you are good to go in the name of Jesus. Job gave glory to God. He sinned not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you have what it takes to lose all that you have and still love God? You lose all that you have and you still love God. Do you have what it takes? Do you have what it takes to lose all that you have and you still keep a perfect heart? A perfect... I told you a story. When I started my very first church, that was in 1992. The very first church that I started to pastor at Calabatown. A woman that was working for the government at that particular time, they lost the government, uh, they were overthrown by some military, and then she came, she was working at the bank, she had very good connection with the president at that time. And she came and said, Pastor, I should forgive God. That was the first time I heard a word like that. I think I told you that story. I was shocked, the woman says, Pastor, I, I should forgive God, I should forgive God. I thought she was crazy. I, I looked at the brothers around when the living room, and I said to myself, what is going on with this woman? Because she's an intellectual. She's wealthy. She says, I must work. I didn't know that this woman was angry and bitter because of all that she's been going through at that particular time. So she was angry against God. It may be that you are here this morning or you are watching through the social media and you are bitter against God because of the negative experiences that you've gone through or that you are even going through. But what you fail to realize is that God was boasting of you bluffing with you, walking behind the scene, and you misunderstood all that happened to you. That's the problem. Every problem that comes to you is to tell you that God is good. Don't pay attention to the problem. The problem is just a messenger. What is behind the problem is greater is he that is in you than him that is in the world. What is behind the problem is ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. What is bigger and mightier behind the problem is call upon me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What is greater and mightier behind that problem is he will perfect that which concerneth you. Praise God. But many believers don't see the bigger picture. All that they see is what is in front of them now. And as a result, they begin to complain. They begin to give excuse. Some people, listen, if you lose your husband, you come to church the next day. They say, let us pray. Say, uh, uh, pray for what? I just lost my husband. You are telling me to pray. Pastor, you are telling me to pray this 
daddy say? <laughs> Look at you. I gave you the husband. I took him away from you. It's mine. The husband is mine. But pastor, my, my only daughter, my only son, he just died. Oh, pastor, God says he's mine. And that is why I love what Job said. The Lord had given. He's the one that gave me. The Lord has taken away. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. If only you realize that you are a stranger in this life and nothing belongs to you, you'll be able to say what Job said. The Lord had given and the Lord had taken away. If you have that mindset to understand that you are a stranger, you'll be speaking like Job. Hallelujah. Job gave God the glory and not the devil. What do you do when you lose all? When all is gone and all that you believed, all that you labored for, all that you have is gone. Will you cling unto God? I told you about perception. I want us to look at the perception of God in this matter. We're going to look at the perception of Satan and the perception of Job. The perception of God is that God knew that Job trusted him. Job loved him. Job is faithful. And Job is going to be victorious. God knew that it is an opportunity for Job to be promoted, to have more than he had, and to experience increase. It is an opportunity for Job to enter into the supernatural of excellence. That supernatural of excellence, of perfection. It was a time for him to enter into that. And that was what God was doing. That was his perception. And Satan's perception is that he will fail. Satan's perception is that he will cause God. His perception is that ah, Job, in fact, worshipped God because of the things that he had from God and not because he loved God. His perception is that ah, he is going to cause God to his face. You can see that in verse 9 and verse 10. But look at Job's perception. Job's perception is that I loved him. No matter what he did to me, I will still love him. His perception is that I will honor him, I will fear him, and I will serve him. It doesn't matter. Though he slay me, I will still serve him. His perception is that God is the most important personality or issue in my life. Not my things, not even my wife, not my children, praise God, not my wealth. His perception is that it doesn't matter what I go through, God is still faithful. That is his perception. And so he could stand the storm. Praise God. So God's perception were positive. Job's perception, uh, perceptions were positive. It was only Satan that has a negative perception about the whole show. What, is your, or what are your perceptions in life when you go through difficulties? Hard time. Hallelujah. Listen to this. If you look at chapter 1 verse 11, can you read that for me please? Chapter 1 verse 11. I want to say something deep. I want you to read that for me. Chapter 1 verse 11. What does it say? Are you ready? Let's go. To go. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he had and he will do what? That was his aim. That Job will cause God to his face. He failed. Take note of this. Satan failed woefully. When he realized that he failed, he went back to God in chapter 2. And God says, okay, you've done all. Now go touch his body. Go touch his health. The health is the... Listen. Whew. The final aspect of man's life is his body. It's not even his wealth. Because if you are not well, your wealth will not be of any importance to you. A dying man doesn't ask for a million dollars. A dying man that is gasping for bread 
will be asking for one more chance or time. Praise God. So, he had dealt with his wealth. He dealt with his children. Destroy all. And Satan looked and said, wow. One more chance, God. God says, you have as much chance you, as you want. What else do you want? Go and touch his body now. Boiled from the crown. The Bible says, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, boil. Abscess. He was cancerous. Put it that way. And you know what? In chapter 2, when that attack began in chapter 2, the Bible says, the wife looked at Job and said, is he crazy? Is he normal? What is he waiting for? The woman was saying, it is time to die and just forget about this God. See chapter 2 now, verse 9, what does it say? Then said his wife, doth thou still remain or retain thine integrity? Question. But then, the, this, he, she, listen, she asked the question and she pre, uh, 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 presented a solution to the question or an answer. She said, does thou still maintain your integrity? Then she said to her, curse God and die. That was the prescription. That was her suggestion. Watch me now. Very careful. Very important. What I want to reveal to you is this. And don't you ever forget this. Whatever Satan cannot do by himself, he is going to employ your fellow human being to do it through you. Did you get it? Whatever Satan may have tried and tried you and tried you and tried you and it doesn't work, he's going to pass through your fellow human being to accomplish that task. His agenda was that he should cause Job to curse God. He didn't succeed. But where did the wife got this word now, curse God and die? Where did she got it from? Huh? From the devil. Why? He was, li uh, 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 listen, he unleashed his power on the woman to the extent that the woman, even though she was not the victim, she took the position of Job and said, curse him and let him die. But I loved what Job said, the response of Job in verse 10. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of, as one of the foolish women speaketh. I love this. Do you know what Job was saying? Are you crazy? You want to trespass my relationship with God? Even you, if you die today, I don't care. <laughs> You're a foolish woman. A foolish woman speaks against God. A, a foolish woman doesn't consider God, have no respect for God. A foolish woman does think about herself and what she can enjoy or, or accomplish and not God. A foolish woman doesn't consider the future. Let's go to the mall. Buy this, buy that, buy that, buy. Forget about tomorrow. In fact, let's just leave. Job said, you are one of those foolish women. And that's how you speak. And he said, what? Do you see what there? Do you have what in the translation? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? Then the Bible says, in all this did not, do you see that there? Did not Job sin with his lips. Maybe for you, you don't have a foolish woman. You have a foolish man at home. Or a foolish friend somewhere. A foolish neighbor. This is your church, church, your Jesus, Jesus. This hallelujah nonsense that you go, go into church, church, your, your rubbish Christianity. Just throw this thing away and let's live our life. They are foolish men and women. Tell them to shut up and get behind me. Praise God. And then the Bible said, 
The man looked at her and said to her, why would you go down this low? Satan wanted her to accomplish what he could not accomplish. Listen to this, beloved. Sometimes it is a shame for us to have a little trial. And I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not going to church anymore. They say, let's pray. Say, oh, I'm not praying. I'm not praying. I remember several years ago, a brother was angry. He said, Pastor, I'm angry with God. I'm angry with God. You know, I have done this. I have done that. I have said this. I have said that. I, I even boasted with my, to my friend about God. And he said, God is not asking me. Eh? Eh? I'm tired of this. <laughs> I was so quiet. I'm like, I don't think you've started yet. <laughs> you have not even gone to class one, kindergarten yet. You're still kidding with spiritual things. Look at a man who lost wife. Ah, if I yes, he lost his wife because she was already dead. Even though she, <laughs> she was a living dead, she was already gone. Yeah, <laughs> imagine, imagine, she was alive but dead. <laughs> she was like dumb. Satan said, "I finished with her. In fact, I can even use her to finish you, if possible." Imagine you lost everything: your wealth, your livelihood. Your children, in fact, included. And the worst case scenario now was his health. Listen, you can beat a man anywhere, but the, 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 the last thing that a man will allow you to touch is his health. Every human being will go all out to protect their health. Because one of the greatest wealth in life is health. That is why people usually say, health is wealth. It was when the devil tortured him that Job eventually said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. And that was sickness. But yet, this man, in the midst of boil, I had boil when I was a youth. I remember, I'll never forget, from my armpit. That boil gave me fever. I was feverish all through. That was, I couldn't even remember what year again. I was a youth. I was in... I think I was in Form 1 or Form 2 in high school. That thing traumatized me. That thing hurts. Well, imagine a man that has that in his ears, on his mouth, when he opened his mouth, saw the eyes swollen, the head. If, in fact, if you look at verse, 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 um, the last verse 13 of chapter 2, the Bible says the, the friend of Job came. When his friend came, the Bible says they watched with him, they, they were with him for seven days. The Bible says, so they sat down with him Upon the ground, seven days and seven nights, and they could not speak. They, what they saw was dumbfounded. They could not give any utterance. Then the Bible says they could not speak a word unto him. Look at this. The Bible says, for they saw that his grief was what? Very great. Have you ever seen that before? That the pain that the man was having was very great. It was not bad. It was very bad. It was not painful. Very painful. When under the sole of his feet, he could not stand. He could not sit. He turned to the right, boy, turned to the left. You know, when you take everything that a man has, it's okay. Somehow, to some level. But when he turns pain, he turns pain. Sleepless night, it's like, boom, bam, 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 bam. It's like he was poking the man to say, curse him. Curse him. Curse him. Curse on his waist. Curse him on his head. Curse him. Everywhere, that was what the devil was doing. Because those abscesses were poking Job. Those boys, if he moves this way, ah, he moves, ah, he moves every, everywhere. Pain! 
Imagine you in that position, you would have said, but God, is this not enough? What are you looking for behind me? But he didn't say a word. The Bible says, in all of this, Job sinned not against God. Hey! Where are the Job's of our world today? Where are the Job's pastor? Where are the Job's believers? The Job's intercessors? Where are sister Job's and brother Job's that will say, though he slay me? This was the man that said it. He said, do you slay me in the book of Job 13, verse number 15. You can see that there. He said, do you slay me? Do you slay me? Though my father died, though my mother died, though my sons died, though my, my husband died, my wife died, God, I still love you. Though I failed the exams, Lord, though they disgraced me, they called me names, even though I do not have what it takes in this life, I still love you, Lord. Even if I'm dying now, let me die, but I still love you. Where are those jobs? Where are those sisters that will say, I will not define myself. I will not allow Satan to interpret my life. I will not allow the kingdom of darkness to write the last chapters of my life. Where are those brothers that says, you know what? It doesn't matter what the world will offer me. I'm a child of God and I will live a life that glorifies God. Where are those jobs that will say, though he slay me? In our Christian life today, we see Christians are moving from church to church. They become church prostitutes. They move from one church to the other and say so they've gone to all the churches in the city. What are they looking for? They have no stamina to face the storm. I'm telling you. Hey, sister, where are you going today? I'm going to redeem. Okay. Oh, God bless you. Ah, I hope you're okay. Ah, you see this same sister, the next week. Where are you going? I'm going to mountain of fire. I'm looking for the fire. I've been redeemed. I'm looking for the fire now. Hey, sis, where are you going? I'm going to deeper life. Ah, I want to go deeper. Okay, you get deeper life. Ah, where are you going? I'm going to Christ embassy. Oh, you need to reach to the embassy. Okay, get a visa. You're already there. Hey, bro, sis, where are you going? Miracle Arena. Ah, you reaching them. Ah, you got all the miracle. Where are you going? Ah, in fact, I'm coming to faith healing Bible. Ah, faith healing. You got the faith and the healing. In fact, the deliverance and everything. Ah, the other the next week again. Where are you going? You keep running around from church to church, church to you have no stamina. Let me tell you, the honest truth is that you are looking for what you will never get. You know why? The problem is you are not committed. When somebody is committed, he stays one place. They are loyal to their leadership. Look, look at Job. Job was saying, <laughs> he says, though he slay me, this God, if you want to slay me, slay me, but I love you. It's like a woman that says, I, I, I think I told you this testimony. I was living, this is somebody, it's a church member of mine, it's a sister-in-law of, of one of my church members. At the very first church that I started in this very same Calabatan, that's where we met. This woman moved to the Gambia with the Chilean. Beautiful woman. I have, that when I talked about beauty, I'm not just talking about just face. She's facially, she's a corner woman. Facially beautiful and beautiful in character. I'm telling you, since we knew that woman for that man, the man has traveled overseas, he's doing his thing, he's living his life. That woman stayed with those kids. That woman committed. That woman, that you will never see a man with that woman. Not a single time. That woman, when I say commitment, when I say faithfulness, 
I looked at that woman's life. I'm like, this is, she's a real legacy of what a godly wife or a godly woman. On, she, the kids were like small, small like this, and now they are even at university. The eldest one already graduated. Every time I think about that woman, the one first thing that comes to my mind is faithfulness and integrity. If people think about you, what is it that rushes to their mind first? If God wants to make commendation about you, like he did for Job, what will God say about you? What is your level of commitment? Are we moving in the pond today? Tomorrow out of the pond. We're running with the storm. They say, oh, tomorrow we'll drink oil. They say, ah, pastor, put it in my mouth. Say, tomorrow we'll drink water, yes, in my mouth. They say, tomorrow we'll go to the beach and take shower. Yeah, they will shower you. And still the miracle has not come, but you're still doing all this experiment. When are we going to stop this nonsense? In the Christian faith. The man was so committed that he said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, though he slay me, I still love him. I will serve him. In the same Job 23, verse 10, he says, when he had tried me, when God had tried me, when God had finished with me, I will come out like pure gold. Listen, some of these words that Job said, not a single man of God said any like that in your Bible. That is why when, look at me, look at me, beloved. When God was testifying about the man, I thought it was, it was just the narrative that the, the, the writer of the book of Job was saying. But I realized that it was not just the, the, the author, I mean, excuse me, the writer, because the Holy Ghost is the author, the writer, it was not just his narratives, but even God himself in verse 8 said the same thing about the man. And now, I realize that it is completely true, not just because God said so, not just because the narrative said so, but look at the man himself, what he was saying, what was coming out of his mouth. If God wants to kill me, let him kill me, but I will still serve him. I will love him. Whatever he will do to me, let him do it. But at the end of which, I will still come out like gold. Is it prayer that you want me to pray? If he, God, if you say I should pray for four hours, I'm ready for it. If you say I should fast for seven days, I'm ready for it. If you say I should go for evangelism, I, I'm ready for it. If you say I should live a holy life, God, count on me. If you say I should walk in righteousness and obedience, Lord, count. can God count on you for anything? That is true Christianity. Hallelujah. That is true Christianity. And so when we talk about trusting God in the midst of trials, it's not to come to church. I'm not talking about uh, trusting God in the midst of trials. Yeah, yeah. Receive it. Amen. Receive it from the left. Amen. Receive it from the right. Oh, amen. No, that's nonsense. There's time for that. I'm talking about true Christianity. Trusting God in the midst of trials. I'm talking about what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they went through, they said, even if God did not choose to deliver us, eh, put us in the fire. Put us now. In fact, eh, oh God, put us now. We're ready. Eh, you see, Christianity today is like a mockery of the Old Testament. I'm serious. Because when you look at the standard, the level of consecration of the Old Testament believers compared to us now, hey, we are under grace. It's all about the mercies of God. Hey, God loves us. In fact, no matter what we do, He is our Father. He will forgive us. So you don't have any God to be committed because you think that you jump today in and out and say, Lord, have mercy, you forgive. You're joking. No wonder you still look like yesterday. You're not going forward. You still look like you're yesterday. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me try to round up. The Bible says in chapter 1 verse 22 and in chapter 2 verse 10. Chapter 1 22 and chapter 2 verse 10. Emphatically the scripture says Job sinned not. He sinned not. He sinned not. Praise God. Hallelujah. He was tortured in the physical. Destroyed and lost everything. His health was completely ravaged. He was out of tune. Disconnected to this life. But yet he was connected to the throne of the Father. Listen, beloved. What is it that troubles you? Why are you discouraged? Why are you confused? I want to encourage you this afternoon. Even though things are moving from bad to worse, keep your Christian faith. Keep your commitment and consecration. Continue to be loyal and be faithful to God. Continue to obey and trust God. Continue to live for God and live the life that glorifies him. Continue to please him. Listen, no matter how big the problem is, God can handle it. You might not be able to. He says with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In the midst of this, beloved, I want you to have that confidence and assurance that if you render or surrender everything to God, he will take care of you. In the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter, I'm about to round up. 1 Peter, let's go there quickly, chapter 5, verse 7. See what it says. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7. Hallelujah. Oh God, I'm the only one who's going through this. There's nobody to help me. God, how can I deal with this issue? God, help me. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7. What does it say? It says, casting all your cares upon him. All. Did he say some? Listen to this. Job was exposed to all, right? Satan destroyed all. But Job recovered all. I will show you how he recovered all. Look at this scripture. It says, casting all your marital care, your house care, your health care, your financial care, your business care, your academic care, the church care, your personal need, every area of your life, cast it onto the Lord. What does it mean to cast? Huh? True. Give it to him. God, daddy, like that. And then we don't go back again and say, what I gave you yesterday, please, can you give it back to me? That is what we normally do. You give it to God and then you come back and begin to worry about it. Let it go. I used to tell people, I don't have problem. Trust me, my only problem that I have is myself. <laughs> You're laughing, but it's true. Have I ever complained my personal problem to you ever? Honestly, since you ever knew me. My only problem that I have is myself. And since I discovered that my only problem that I have, I always ask God for mercy and grace. Because until you discover yourself, you know that shoe is not your problem. I can wear any kind of shoe. Me, I can, I can drive any kind of car. I, I can live in any... Listen, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't cross my mind. To say, look at the pants that I'm wearing. Uh, there's a cut there. Or my shoe is leaning on the left. It doesn't bother me. I'm not a bluffer. I'm not, nothing impressed me. And I have no one to impress. I'm dead already. I have no lady to go here. I want this lady to see me. So when I dress, no. I just dress the way I dress. Praise God. That is why some of you can, you can testify that sometimes, there are sometimes I'm humble to my fault. Praise God. 
I can eat from any plate together with you. We can eat as long as it is in line with God's word. It doesn't bother me. Pride is not my life. You know my problem is myself. That is why I always ask for God's grace, God's strength, and God's mercy. Listen, until you begin to live such a life, you take your problem, that external problem, and deal with that, and you deal with the personal problem, then you recover yourself. But if your problem is on external futures, or issues, or clothes, or shoes, or the car, or this, or you will be frustrated, and you, you won't be able to take care of yourself, because at the end, you will wreck yourself spending money about external things, and you never spend time to develop your personal self. Praise God. So the Bible says, casting all your cares. Nothing troubles me. So what is it that troubles you? What are you in need of? I don't eat today. Me, I don't care. Eat food, food is not my problem. Oh, I don't have it. I don't care. Whether I have it, whether I don't have it, it's not. The only time that it may come to my mind is when I need it. And I will always get it whenever I need it. God always provides. So he said, cast all your cares upon him. Casting all, not some, all. That one that you think. Listen, let me shock you now. Many problems in our life. Listen, listen, listen. Open your eyes and look at me. The one that you think is small that you can handle is the one that will kill you or hurt you the most. Because you never gave it to God. You think you can handle it. And by the time you know it, that thing begins to handle you. It is a cast some all. The one that is big, the one that is small, the one that is easy, the one that is difficult, just hand them over to him. The Bible says he does what? He cares for you. He cares for you. Hey, pastor, you don't know? I'm so lonely. He cares for you. Pastor, I don't even have a dime in my pocket. He cares for you. Pastor, if you know my pain, he cares for you. Nobody to help. He cares for you. The doctor says I will die. He cares for you. Praise God. I've been rejected. He cares for you. Praise God. Oh, pastor, when am I going to get married? He cares for you. You're getting married pretty soon. In fact, I'm coming. I'll be part of the wedding. I will eat your rice. Amen. When am I going to have my baby? He cares for you. You're, in fact, you're going to be having twins. The first time you go, two. The second one, maybe triplets. God is going to overload you. Praise God. So, but Pastor, when am I going to start my business? I tried this, I tried this, all of this had failed. He cares for you. In fact, let me shock you. God cares for you much more than you cares for yourself. Praise God. This is the reasons why the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 that you should not worry about what you should eat, what you should wear, and nothing like that. He said, all that you should be concerned about. Look at it in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. He said, take no thought about what you should eat, what we should wear. He said, your life is much more than raiment. Your life is more than your clothes. Your life is more than material things. That is the most important. Your life. Praise God. And finally, if you looked at the end of the life of Job, in Job, hallelujah, chapter I think it's chapter 42. Yes. Let's go there. Let's round up with this. The man that lost everything. The man that even lost his health. The man that you thought, well, that's the end. See what happened to him. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What happened to Job? 
what happened to Job. Chapter 42. Ah. See verse 12. The Bible says in chapter 2 verse 10 to verse 17. God gave us an, uh, the amount. The Bible gave us an, uh, the amount as to how many cattle that he had. How many oxen he had. How much how many kids he had but see verse 12 say so the lord verse 12 of chapter 42 so the lord blessed the latter end of job more than his beginning and he had 14,000 sheep if you read chapter 2 verse 10 he said he had 7,000 in the beginning but now he had 14,000 sheep praise god for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camel. In chapter 2, verse 10, he had 1,000 camel. Now he had, I mean, he had 3,000 camel. Now he had 6,000. Praise God. And the Bible says, and he had 1,000 yokes of oxen. In chapter 2, verse 10, he had 500 yokes of oxen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And at the end, he says he had 1,000 she asses. And in chapter 2, verse 10, he had 500 she asses. And then verse 13 here says, and he also, he had also seven sons. He lost seven sons, he gained seven sons, and three daughters. Praise God. And he called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karinapa. And the Bible says in verse, 17, uh, verse 15, and in all the land where no women found the bible says and in all the land where no women found so fear as the daughters of job and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren after this lived job a hundred and forty years he lived an hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons sons even his fourth generation verse 17 so job died being of old and full of days that is he died a fruitful and a fulfilled way he lived a fruitful and a fulfilled life we're going to pray but i want to tell you that trials and temptation glorifies god in your life trials and temptations they reveal the power of God in your lives. They will show up in your life to mature you, to train you. Trials and temptation will show up in your life for your elevation. Trials in your life is for you to know and to prove the integrity of God and for God to also prove your integrity. Trials in your life will reveal your level of love and your level of surrenderedness and your level of commitment to God. Trials in your life is meant for your good. Trials is for your good. Hallelujah. Trials in your life is to humiliate and disgrace the devil. Trials in your life, they are meant for you to trust God. Hallelujah. Because God trusts in you. And those trials will come because God may be boasting and bluffing because of you. 
My question to you before we pray is, can God trust you? Can God trust you? Can he trust you in the midst of the fire? Can he trust you in the midst of the storm? Can God trust you when you are behind closed doors? Can God trust you when no man sees what's going on? Can God trust you when you don't have what it takes? Can God trust you when the enemy thought that you were going to die? Can God trust you when you don't have enough? Can God trust you when you are even weak or when you are strong? I want us to pray right now.